You're listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hello, Rent Roll Radio listeners. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Sterling Chapman, and we're joined today with Van Sturgeon. Van, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining us. Well, I appreciate you having me on, Sterling. I'm looking forward to having a nice conversation with you. Awesome. Van, can you tell us uh, a little bit about your backstory, how you got involved in in real estate, um, what you did before that, and kind of what you're doing today? Sure. Uh, I'm. Um, I, I was. Uh, I'm a product of the late '60s uh, uh, to immigrant parents. I grew up in Chicago, and we lived in a one-bedroom apartment. Um, my parents worked their tails off trying to put their put some money together to buy their dream home. And um, as they're doing that, they they learned that their apartment building was go- that went up for sale. And so instead of buying that dream home, they 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 went off and and became landlords. So. Um, they bought that uh, apartment building and that occurred in the late seventies. And uh, right around that time, it was a fully occupied building and everything was fine. But around that time, things started to change uh, in the economy. Like interest rates started to to skyrocket. The the unemployment rate was horrible. Interest rates were at 18, 20 some odd percent. It was just a miserable time. And so that building that was fully occupied all of a sudden became in a 40, 60% vacant. And so as a family, because it's our sole source of income, the only thing that we could do was try to try to salvage the uh, this investment. And essentially with everything that we could in the building in terms of keep you know, renovating it, uh, we never hired a painter, electrician or a plumber. We did all the work ourselves. Um, and so it's from that background, uh, we were able to slowly get out of it. And, and it was turned out to being a great investment. Um, but eventually, uh, I, I, uh, I went off to university, graduated, and um, could have become a could have became a lawyer. But uh, ultimately, decided I wanted uh, I had a real passion or, or desire to get back into construction renovation. So I became a general contractor uh, in Chicago, and uh, I started going out there on the hustle, trying to grow my business. And uh, I slowly grew that business uh, as, as a general contractor in the late uh, I'm sorry early nineties. And I kept running into the same people over and over again in that uh, in the area. And that was these real estate investors who were buying and selling properties, who were flipping and would hold on to uh, you know creating rental portfolios. And that's when I got started into real estate investing myself. Um, and that's where I, I started to build a portfolio from that point on. And and I've been very blessed with uh, with with having. Uh, created a number of successful companies in the real estate uh, industry, from property management to land acquisition. Been, I'm a builder as well, and right now I'm. I and over the 30 years I've been doing this, I've kind of, uh, I've, I've, it's taken a toll on me, and I've decided to sort of semi-retire. And uh, I've got some really great people that I partner up with, and also that I have as employees. I look after my business interests. And right now, I'm really focused on um, you know this kind of uh, engagement where I talk to folks like you and trying to get the good word out in terms of like what the positive benefits are in real estate investing. But in particular, there's this one particular component that I love and I'm really passionate about is how to plan and manage a, a renovation, rehab, whether it's a, a single family home or whether it's a multifamily. There's a lot of this kind of, a lot of stuff out there that is so uh, it's not accurate. You see these TV shows, you know, that will renovate a property in 30 minutes and, you know, such a beautiful process. But the cold hard reality is that many new real estate investors that come in to the game who want to 
actually, you know, understand and value, you know, the financial freedom that real estate, owning a real estate portfolio can create, get started off on the wrong foot by buying a property requires, you know, some renovation, some rehabbing, and they screw it all up. And I've seen some real horror stories where people have been financially devastated by it. So I'm out there trying to get out the good word and trying to guide people in the right direction and how to plan and manage a successful renovation where in fact you are you are actually acting as your own general contractor not hiring a general contractor where you can save 30 to 50 percent on your renovation by you planning and manage the whole thing out and it's a beautiful process that i've honed over the last 30 years and i'm out there trying to get as many people to do it uh, on their own awesome i would definitely love to hear more about that process that i think that is um where most people get in trouble. And I, I certainly uh, understand your sentiment about the, the, the TV, the HGTV version of it, not being quite reality. Um, and this isn't renovation related, but one thing that always sticks out to me is they'll have like a couple that's looking for, you know, a house or something and the, it'll be like a school teacher and a police officer and their budget is like $4.8 million. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's certainly, uh, it's certainly kind of out there uh, what, before we get into your process. Cause I, this is one area that I, I feel personally that I can improve in a lot. And, um, so I, I, I certainly have more questions questions. But just before we get there, what does your personal portfolio look like? What, what type of real estate have you chosen to invest in? Because it sounds like you've kind of been all over the place. And, and, and be honest with you, I have, you know, like every good uh, successful real estate investor, it's like planting crops and different sure. crops come in at different low, uh, different times. So you clean some of the profits and then you reinvest and you plant more and you plant seeds and stuff like that. So right now, currently, my uh, I'm concentrated in four areas. Uh, and I'm in uh, Michigan, Ohio, New Brunswick, uh, Canada, and then um, also Florida. And I've got over a thousand uh, doors uh, currently. Um, they are spread over course of uh, single family and uh, multifamily. I would, it's approximately 60% multifamily and about 40% single family. And the reason why I have the single families is that just, I've had it for so long and they're producing really well. And this is really funny now. Nowadays, you got these hedge funds are moving into that single family space and acquiring properties because, uh, you know, the cap rates have compressed so, so dramatically and everybody's looking for chasing after returns nowadays. Um, so that's where I'm at. And really, the, another reason why, how I, how I never planned this out, Sterling, but I got started as a general contractor, acquired a bunch of properties, and then, and then, and then I was, I had a property management company, Luck Afternum. And then I decided, well, why can't I become my own property manager? So I created a company doing that. And then my engagement with other investors then resulted in getting them as clients who I would be looking after their portfolio. So it's kind of fed one to the other to the other. And that's the reason why uh, where I'm at right now. Awesome. And I love, um, I love single families as well. So I, I, I do multifamily, um, big apartment complexes, but it's, it's so, it's weird to me that in the, in the large apartment syndication communities that, that I, I run in, everybody really looks down their nose at single families and, Oh, I used to do single families, but now I graduated to multifamily. I'm like, dude, why can't you do both? I make a killing on these single family houses. I mean, I absolutely. Absolutely. And like, you know, we might get one large multifamily once every six months. What are you doing the other five months of the year? If you're buying two or three houses and you're creating, you know, 
$150,000 a month in extra equity and getting a thousand extra dollars of cash flow, like you're steadily building between these larger products. So I, I just, I can't believe the people that scoff at me and I'm a large multifamily investor. I wouldn't mess with a single family house. Okay. I'll take them all. <laughs> Sterling, it's all, I totally agree with you. And I, and I could never understand you. Why you, I, you know, I know a lot of folks in this industry and so I'm sure you do. And yeah, you're absolutely right. There's this, there's this sentiment that, Oh, you should be, you know, you should, you should be graduating up to from single family to multifamily. And then there was some merit to that, but at the end of the day, it's all about, it's all numbers, man. It's all, it's all numbers. And it's a matter of X amount of dollars that I invest is what I get in return. And if I can bang out 18, 22% returns on my money, I'm all day, every day, including Sunday, all over that. And I'm right now at the stage of my life where I'm, I'm happy and content. What I have, I just want to maintain and look after my portfolio. But if I truly want to hit the, the gas pedal, that definitely would be the fastest way for you to be able to acquire mass is to go to single family route because money, access to money, if you strategically know how to create relationships and trying to create portfolio, that portfolio, you can easily, I could easily add you know, a couple hundred every every year onto that and just keep moving forward on that. Now, there are some logistical night, uh, so, you know, things associated with acquiring that kind of properties where it's scattered all over the place. Sure. You acquire, you know, there's requires more overhead, but I've already got that in place. So yeah, I could do that if I wanted to. And I totally agree with you. Awesome. So tell us more about your, uh, your process. Your, your your rehab and your planning process. I would. Well, uh, I'd love to hear. I'd love to add some organization to mine. <laughs> well, see, that's where that's where uh, you know over the years of uh, pain and suffering, you you kind of figure out that that's the way to go. That you need to create these systems in order to be able to uh, be very efficient and be able to quickly in a timely manner be able to move from you know renovation to whatever you're planning on doing. But the real real start that I find that real estate investors struggle with is that they uh they don't have a clear goal when they when they have a property what their intentions are in that renovation rehab that they're going to be doing like if i have a property that's a rental uh or if it's if it's something that i'm looking to a flip do a flip that goal uh, is going to be different uh than you know you, you got to clearly identify what that goal is and so oftentimes I don't, uh, a lot of folks go in and they don't have that. They don't have what the clear definable goal. And I really recommend people in writing out what that goal is. So if you're looking to rent out a property for $1,200 a month, then write it out and say, this is what I'm looking to accomplish. Because everything associated with that renovation rehab is going to go through, filter through that actual goal. Once you've been able to establish that goal, you got to get out there in the marketplace and validate that. And oftentimes a lot of folks don't go spend the time going in into the weeds in that particular marketplace where this property is located and identifying what it is. Is it possible to be able to get that $1,200? Is it possible for me to sell it for X amount of dollars and make X amount of dollars in profit if you're flipping? You got to get out there in the marketplace and it requires time and effort. And, and a lot of people are lazy or they're not sure they're scared. I don't know, but I encourage people to go out there and actually validate what it is that they're looking to, you know, their goal. And by the per virtue of that, you understand the marketplace. Once you've been able to have that, you've got clear understanding of what you're doing. The, really, the next step is then you got to figure out where am I going to find this money to be able to fund this renovation rehab? Um, you know, besides having cash in the kitty, you know, that's the easiest way to go about doing that. A lot of us don't have that, right? So you need to figure out and strategize. And I help people trying to figure out uh, whether it's establishing lines of credit, using uh, hard private uh, uh, money lenders, 
Um, there's also opportunities uh, with uh, I, I found with there's is depending on the municipality. There's uh, there's opportunities where you can get X amount of dollars from your government for your municipality because you've got certain upgrades that you can do on your property that the government will pay for. Like if you got if you're in a for example, recently I have a property that's in a floodplain and I got a notice from the from the municipality saying, hey, if you replace your weeping tile, if you do this or that, we'll pay you for it. That's a win, you know, and you want to you want to take advantage of those opportunities, but you need to do you need to get out there and look around. You need to ask questions. You need to talk to people. So once you've been able to establish that and you understand how much money you've got, then really the next step is you got to get out there and you look at your property and you got to create a, a list that I call like a needs and wants list. It's really a list that you create two columns. And then on these lists is things that you need to do. So if you got a hole in your roof and uh, you know it's leaking, that's a need. You got to get in there and replace it. If you've got a window that's broken and you're letting in a draft and all that kind of stuff, obviously you got to replace it. But there's a lot of things that I find real estate investors renovate, uh, rehab, that really don't have any business doing it unless there's money in the kitty. Unless there's money that you can apply to that, you should be putting that under a wants list so that once you've completed your needs, then you move off into the wants and you you prioritize them for the ones that deliver the most amount of impact. So as an example, I find a lot of investors are out because the windows are 50, 60 years old, immediately assume that they got to replace windows. Well, replacing the windows is pretty is pretty expensive. And there's times where you can just get by what you have because you have a limited budget. It doesn't deliver the highest ROI. And a lot of folks, again, and then that are newbies or that really improved. Yeah, they spend a lot of money on stuff. And then they look at, again, we operate under our goal. If you can't, you know, if you're overspending, then you don't reach your goal. That's why it's so important to start to start uh, right from the get go, establishing a clear goal. So, uh, you know, and there's also situations, hey, you know, it'd be nice to get rid of that, you know, that lime green carpet from the 1980s in that family room or living room. Right. But again, if depending on your goal and depending on the amount of money you got that you've got to invest in this renovation rehab, sometimes you just wash it, shampoo it and you move on. Um so those are the types of things that, uh, you know, these are the tips, things that that I've come across in my travels that that I'm sharing with you right now. Uh, ultimately, once you've been able to establish that list, what is the real granddaddy of making sure that you have a successful renovation uh, is that you, you got to create a, 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 a document called a scope of work. And that scope of work is so important because in that document, you've gone around, you identify clearly what it is that you're looking to accomplish in this renovation rehab. You provide specifications, you've taken pictures, you've you've sketched things out, you've put measurements, you've done everything, you've included everything in that scope of work so that the next step, which would be then going out to, to tender this, uh, the, the, the looking for contractors and tradespeople, it, may, it becomes a lot easier process to find good qualified people to do work on your project. Absolutely. So what, what kind of differences are you seeing between like a, a single family renovation project and, and the larger multifamilies? What are the main, like for somebody, and, and, and it sounds like a weird question, uh, obviously scale, but you know, the, let me, let me ask it this way for somebody who is traditionally doing single family renovations and they're looking to, as you said, graduate to, and, and to be clear, I, I do, I like the progression. 
So from a, like a graduate standpoint, I, like some people sell courses out there that say, Hey, you don't ever have to have even own a house or anything and just go buy you a hundred unit more co- complex. I mean, I'm sure that's worked on a couple of occasions, but like I personally felt a lot more comfortable buying apartment complexes after I'd renovated a bunch of single family houses. So for, for our guests that have, have never made that leap, um, what is something to be on the lookout for if you maybe have a lot of experience renovating single family houses and you're going to manage your first larger project? What are some gotchas or some some things that they should look out for along the way that might be a little different on a larger project versus uh, you know the smaller ones? Um, in those particular uh, when you uh, when you when you graduate, if that's the word, to multifamily. Um, oh. There's an old saying that I that I like to apply is that you got to watch your pennies because the dollars the dollars will take care of themselves. Sure. The pennies are associated with it, when you're dealing with a 20 unit, 200 unit uh, multifamily. The t- 10 cents, two dollars here there, multiplied by 20 can add up pretty significantly. Time is also another huge factor. We all struggle with identifying trace people and contractors to do business with. Our natural inclination is when you go send it out to tender, that you're going to go, you gravitate toward the lowest bid. And that is sometimes a mistake that we make. And it's, it's really a shiny little, you know, that's that shiny stove that is red hot. And we want to touch it, but we shouldn't. We know better, but we constantly are tempted to touch it. We want to go get go after that cheapest or less, the most least expensive contract trace person. But you got to really do your due diligence in those types of situations because time is really a factor that you got to really consider. You want to deal with individuals or companies that can man up when you need them to man up and get in there and produce a product. Uh, So if you have a situation where that particular month moving forward on a multifamily, you got four vacancies and you can get in there and do a quick turnover and upgrade them or whatever the case is, you need to be able to have somebody, that, a contractor that you're doing business with, you got a relationship with, that be able to can, uh, can scale up with you when you have that opportunity. Because every month that goes by um, is money out of your pocket. Another thing I learned early on, uh, Sterling, is that I remember with the fur. I remember one uh, one particular uh, apartment building I, I purchased was a forty eight unit building. It wasn't a two hundred you know unit monster. It was a forty eight unit building, and it was really beat up, dilapidated. And I purchased it for a song, and I remember going in there renovating each uh, individual suite. And because I was penny wise, dollar foolish. Also, now this is a contrarian. I, I, I took I took much more time in renovating it than I should have, and as a result, I, I, in doing retrospect and doing arithmetic and the amount of money that I lost in, in, in rental income, really offset the cost, uh, you know, the savings in in trying to nickel and dime people. And so again, you got to look at the whole thing in totality. It's a business, and numbers don't lie. So I don't know if, uh, if I've answered your question, but those are certain things you sort of got to keep out that and keep an eye on because just the the slightest the slight differences in time and money can have such a dramatic effect. You know, it's not it's, it's different when you're dealing with a single family. If there's a toilet that's hundred bucks versus a toilet that's three hundred bucks, you're like, okay, it's actually two hundred dollars. Now those can add up too, sure. but a multifamily over a course of 20, 50 units, you know, two hundred dollars is ten grand. And yeah. if you were walking down the street and you saw 10 grand, I think you'd bend over and pick it up, right? <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah. Now, that, those are some great points and definitely something that that I noticed as well. I um, 
you know, on that on that very topic, I, I'm on the exact topic that you just described. You know, I, I was used to 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 doing the single families, and, and like you said, one toilet, one, and, and so you know, my first large multifamily project, I said, well, I mean, what's it, $200? And my partner was like, no, it's $200 times 55. And I'm like, okay, good point. All right. Yeah. 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 And then also another thing, uh, another thing that one of another lesson that I I really want to pass on to people is again, you got to really do your due diligence on the market in the market, uh, market area. Another property like that. I remember getting, uh, getting stuck on was a property that, I was I was really dramatically be uh, able to lift the rents up from eight hundred to twelve hundred dollars on like on a one bedroom apartment as an example, and and I was able to do and I was spending quite a bit of money in 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 the improvement of the particular individual suite, and I was getting that kind of rent. But you know how rental markets go. There's ebbs and flows in those markets. So uh, there's a period of time I was banging out $1,200. And then all of a sudden, the market kind of slowed down and I couldn't get that $1,200. I had to go resort to $1,100, $1,050. And it was a real painful struggle for me because I was I was so used to getting that $1,200 that I had, me, I had a problem reducing it. And I would keep my out of pride and maybe because of the invest. I don't know. Like these are the things you learn along, you know, over 30 years you learn that I got, I got pigeonholed myself in that situation. And mindset. no, 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 I got to get $1,200 for that apartment. And then when I, and then looking back again, I list out, I lost out on two, three months of rent. And if you do the arithmetic, it doesn't make any sense. Numbers don't lie. And I said, I don't know if that makes any sense or if that resonates, but I, I you know, these are the types of things I've come across in my life and I'm trying to pass on that I've thought that, that, they, uh, that I, that I've screwed myself. And, and I realize now in retrospect that, you know, I shouldn't have done, these are the great, you know, wisdoms things that I've picked up along the way. Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, I'm renovating a bunch of units right now and, and four units in particular, I, I decided to go with the cheaper appliances to save a couple grand. And uh, so I ordered them instead of buying the more expensive ones that I could have gotten my hands on. And I just got an email that, that said, Hey, they're actually going to be delayed another month and a half. Well, the, um, I'm losing $4,600 a month <laughs> waiting on those appliances when I could have spent an extra two grand on the front end. And yeah. got, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, it, it's a screwy, a, uh, it, uh, it, it, the rationalization behind what you did is accurate. Unfortunately, we're just living in a really screwy, screwy time that, uh, you know, you should, you don't feel so bad. It, it, you know, it is what it is, but, uh, but you, you're, you, the thought process was accurate. You have to look at it that way. Again, this is a business. And some, that's another thing that I find new real estate investors when they get into this, uh, into this game is that they become emotionally attached to properties that somehow that is, you know, becomes one with them. It's one thing, you know, with your residential property, you know, the pro- house or whatever you're living in. That's one thing. But when you look at when you when uh, you stepped outside that and you're you're a real estate investor, you can't look at it's a business. You can't look at it that way. There's no emotional attachments. You got to go in there, and, and the numbers don't lie. And you got to do what you got to do. You know, and there's oftentimes uh, found that a lot of new real estate investors also fall in love with trades people and contractors. And when you do that, then they start jerking you around as well. So you know, lots of yeah, lots of things. Yeah, I I have found that most tradespeople and contractors can be good the first time. And then, you know, you, you fall in love with them the first time and, and then they start to like get comfortable or take advantage. You know, it's like, it, it, so you, you really do have to keep the rope, rope tight. Um, so 
part of that, hold on, Sterling, you know, part of that is that we, we are all as real estate investors looking for what I call a unicorn contractor. You know, that unicorn where he's going to give you or she's going to give you the cheapest price. They're going to be on time whenever, you know, whenever you call them up, they're going to show up and their quality is stupendous. You know, it's grade A stuff. And unfortunately, uh, what you'll find is maybe the first time you use them, you're right. You'll, you'll get all of those things or close to it. But then the second or third time you won't. And the reason for that is that they, they get, you know, they get busier. You know, the people that do you know hit all those three qualities, one way or another, are going to start to miss out on those because they're starting to become bigger and scale and, and you start to lose that. So uh, I know where you're coming from. It's a constant battle that we need to constantly sort of uh, engage in and try and identify and keep that pipeline flowing in terms of not only just deals, but also trace people and contractors. So the painters, the plumbers and whatever, like if you're, if you're looking at doing also, like if you're using general contractors, you need to do that as well. I'm not an advocate that if you can, in the beginning, like you and I might be in a different situation in that you need to go to general contractor route where they look after the whole thing. But when you're starting out, you really need to be your own GC if you want to establish the foundation for you to be a successful real estate investor. Because the skill set that you're going to learn when you go through doing your first couple of renovations sure. is something that you can then apply and use moving forward on your fifth, seventh well, you, property. You can use what you learn to keep an eye on them as well. You know, I always say when I when I started, I was the general contractor, I was the property manager, I, I did it all, and I, I don't do any of it anymore. But you know, I, I know what to look for in my property managers. I know what to, you know, if I get a bill that doesn't seem right for my contractors. Exactly. Exactly. Totally agree with you. And unfortunately, HDTV and all the YouTube uh, mumbo jumbo and all that kind of stuff, you can, you, you can, you can look at and watch them till you're blue in the face, but you really got to not, not physically, but you really, the, you know, the proverbial, you got to roll up your sleeves and get in the weeds and you got to get in there and do the, do that kind of stuff on your own. And then you really get an understanding and appreciation, especially now, Nowadays, man, you know, if you walk in to an opportunity where you can get a deal and you don't have that skill set where you can walk around a property and get a sort of a good gist or sense of how long it's going to take and how much it's going to cost to do a rehab renovation on a property, you're, 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 you're a loss. You're a loss because that deal will get snapped up. You know, you know, maybe you could have that opportunity in 08, 09, 010 where things were meandering. You know, people were begging you to buy something. You know, those are the good old days if you're on the buy side. But it, right now, no, you've got a couple hours to make a snap decision, right? And if you walk into that property, if you can't see what, you know, if you can't figure it out on your own and you got to rely on the, your contractor friend or your property inspector to come through, man, you're going to lose that deal time in, time yeah. out. Absolutely. So real quick, I want to hop over to our radio round because we're getting close on time. And I just want to ask three questions to help our listeners get to know you a little bit better. The first one is, what's your favorite book? You know, I think that I, I, I get asked often this and I, I think and grow uh, by Napoleon Hill, like that Love book. It. It's really a good bill. It's really a great book because on mindset, it really I, I, it's amazing what you can accomplish. If you have the positive frame of mind to be able to go out there and get out of your comfort zone and think that you can accomplish things. It's amazing what you can you can do. Awesome. Absolutely. I love that book, too. I've read it multiple times. What's your favorite quote? Uh, yeah, um, General General MacArthur, and I might screw this up. So my apologies to General MacArthur. God rest his soul. It's in war, there's no substitute for victory. It's attack and never retreat. If you do have to retreat, it's a pair attack again. 
That's what I follow my life by. If you want to get into, if you really want to get into it, you can't take any excuses. You got to roll up your sleeves. You got to learn everything. You got to do everything. And ultimately, you'd be in a much better position. You put in a heavy lifting, heavy, hard work in the beginning to be able to prosper and grow in the future. Absolutely. Love it. What's your favorite thing to do outside of work? Um, you know what? I've had a pretty long good, uh, d- d- life, difficult life in that real estate game. And I'm sort of now hit that, you know, like I mentioned earlier, the semi-retirement stage. So I love spending it on the weekends and time with friends and family. I have lots of people come over to the house and, and, and that's really my enjoyment. I'm not a, I'm not an outdoorsy type. I'm not a fisherman. I'm not a whittler of wood or anything like that. I just, <laughs> I like, I like, I just like having a couple of beverages with some uh, friends and family. How about that? Ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> There you go, Sterling. <laughs> awesome. Well, Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell our listeners how to find out more about you, how to get in touch with you, how to find you on social media or your website or anything like that? Sure. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, you can just Google my name and uh, you should see a bunch of things that I've uh, articles that I've written and podcasts I've been on and stuff like that. But if you really want to get more information about me and really like I've have a free training that I'm offering on my websites at uh, vansturgeon.com, where I walk you through the process of what I sort of touched on today with you about how to plan and manage a successful renovation without a general contractor. If you're really able to take that general contractor out of the way, you can save anywhere between 30 to 50 percent on your on your rehab renovation budget. And that's a lot of money. And, and also, you, at the same time, you learn a skill set. So I really encourage people to go on my website. You can get a lot of information over there. And, and if you want to connect with me, that's uh, that's one place around social media. I'm all over the place. Awesome. Thanks, man. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today. Super excited that uh, that you reached out and we were able to connect. And I look forward to keeping up with you. Thanks again. Thank Have a good one. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Crestworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at Rent Roll Radio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at rentrollradio.com or sterling at crestworthcapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing.